something to think about. Uh, today, we're going to be uh, still in 2 Timothy. We're in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Uh, we're looking at verses 11 to 13. And it's not as clear in the Pew Bibles. Uh, you may have another Bible that may have this section italicized. Uh, you know, like some Bibles do that when they're making a quote from the Old Testament or something like that. Well, this is not a quote from the Old Testament that we're looking at today. This is probably the earliest recorded Christian hymn, what we're looking at today. Now, is speculation as to whether Paul wrote this hymn, and this is the first time it's recorded, or if this was a hymn that they were singing in the Christian churches and Paul just decided to record it here today. But this is a song we're going to be looking at today. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 to 13. Let me read it to you. It goes like this. It is a faithful saying. That's not the hymn. Here's the hymn. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Sounds a little bit like that little chorus we just went through today. Oh, uh, sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. Uh, and that was taken from Psalm 89, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, and perhaps some, whoever wrote this hymn was thinking back to Psalm 89 or something similar when they wrote this one down. Uh, but that's our passage here today. If you don't mind, I'll open with a word of prayer and we'll get to looking at it. Lord, we thank you for this day. I always thank you for the day, but this is a particularly beautiful day you've given to us today. We thank you for it. Early fall day, your glorious creation, even in its fallen state, we can see that you're a magnificent creator of beauty. We look to you today. We ask that you'll guide us through as we look at this hymn Speaking of your faithfulness to all generations, you cannot deny yourself. Guide us through it and show us just what you'd have for us today. It's in your name we pray. Amen. So in this hymn that we're looking at today, we're going to see Paul make a summary statement, uh, which is kind of going to bring together all the topics that we've looked at so far. And he's going to do this by opening up, I don't know if you noticed the first little words there, what I said was not part of the hymn, is he starts right off by saying, it is a faithful saying. It is a faithful saying. Now we've seen him use this expression several times now. We saw it back in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 1, uh, and we're going to see it again in Titus chapter 3 and verse 8. Uh, and he used very similar language in uh, 1 Timothy 1.15, and uh, 1 Timothy 4.9 also, very similar, not exactly the same. When Paul uses language like this, he's trying to emphasize the importance of what he's about to say. Now, he uses it to, we see him in various places that he uses it. He uses it to describe apostolic teachings, uh, to describe the gospel message itself, um, to just tell us what good biblical doctrine should look like. This is a faithful saying. And then he goes into whatever the biblical doctrine might be. See, 
Paul's trying right now to compare and contrast the doctrines which he and Timothy stand for with the doctrines that the false teachers are laying out in Ephesus. We're going to make a contrast here. We've seen what some of those false teachings are. Here's, this is a faithful saying. This is what a true doctrine looks like. And we see this idea made clear. Uh, let's go back. Uh, let's look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. I already mentioned this one. Uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, he says, As I besought thee to abide still at Ephesus, when I went unto Macedonia, that thou mayest charge some that they teach no other doctrine. We're going to see next week... Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2, I'll give you a little preview, 14 to 18. It says, Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. You see, he's making a contrast from what these false doctrines look like to what Paul and Timothy are saying. We'll see it when we get to Titus chapter 1 and verse 11, too. I don't want to read that one right now. I just wanted to look at those couple that are right in our context here today. See, Paul and Timothy are teaching a doctrine which has at its roots a faithful saying. And this is the faithful saying that we're looking at here today. For if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Now, in today's case, Paul's going to use the faithful saying expression to lead us into a bunch of truths, which are supposed to rally Timothy's courage. Remember, that's really what the book of 2 Timothy is about. Paul's about to sign off. It's about to be, he's going to retire just like uh, Diane Feinstein did. Uh, he worked right up till his last day just like she did. That, that's what Paul is known for. Uh, and he's about to retire, and Timothy's going to need some encouragement. Uh, so he's trying to rally Timothy's courage. So that's what we're here to look at today. And it ought to be a little bit more encouraging than the last few weeks. The last couple of weeks have been a little bit grueling, haven't they? Uh, when we've been going through these things, we talk about suffering and endurance and patience. and Like a soldier, just keep plugging through. It's been kind of discouraging, hasn't it? Uh, well, today we're looking for a little bit more encouragement. Paul seems to know that nobody likes to dwell on suffering and persecution. And that maybe he ought to start trying to encourage Timothy a little bit. So that's why we're looking at here today. And once Timothy hears these encouraging words that we're going to look at today, he should be better prepared for the next set of orders that Paul's going to give to him because Timothy's about to get another batch of orders. Uh, so right now we get a little encouragement. If we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. Now, I don't know if you've ever taken the time to go through all of Paul's writings and notice how many times he writes about this very thought. If we're dead with him, we're also going to live with him. Paul said it over and over and over again. And that, for the believer, is one of the most blessed promises that we have, right? 
I mean, the crucifixion of Christ was also representative of us putting to death our own ambitions and our own will and our own selfishness and our own human nature. That's what the crucifixion of Christ, we're, we're dead with him. Romans 6, 6 says, knowing that our old man was crucified with him. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That's why. And henceforth we shouldn't serve sin. If you want another one to look up uh, this afternoon, go ahead and look it up. I'm not going to do it right now. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Another way of looking at it. So, what kind of sins might be facing Timothy? If he's crucified with Christ that the body of sin might be destroyed, what kind of sins might Timothy be facing? I can only speculate. In fact, I don't know what kind of sins you might be facing either when we put it that way. Oh, that's not really in my notes, but what, uh, you don't know what I'm facing? You, I don't know what you're facing. We each have different ones. But Timothy, in light of what we've been talking about, perhaps it might be a failure to stand up for the good, true doctrine that Paul's been teaching in a way that he ought to. As I've said before, I believe Timothy was a bit of a timid man. don't want to say coward, but I believe he was a timid man. I don't think he was an outgoing, upfront sort of person. I believe he was a timid guy. That's why he needed to be encouraged all the time, just like I believe Joshua was as well. Hard to imagine that uh, Joshua, the guy who led the campaign to take over the nation of Israel. But every other time we turn around in the book of Joshua, God's telling him, fear not, stand strong, gird yourself up, get ready. we got things to do, Joshua. I think Joshua and Timothy were timid men. Gideon was as well. Gideon, the first time we see Gideon, he's hiding in a uh, wine press threshing grain, right? God uses timid men to do amazing things, but that's a little off topic. Now, uh, right in the same context uh, that we just looked at in Romans, I gave you Romans chapter 6, verse 6. Two verses down, all right, let's, let's take a look at it, since I'm referring to it twice. Let's go to Romans chapter 6. And I know I wasn't exactly accurate in my quoting Romans 6, 6, so let's, let's do it right now. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. That's why we're crucified with Christ. Then we've got verse 7. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Verse 8, this is where I want to go now. Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Very similar to what we're looking at today in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 11, isn't it? There is a slight difference, though, which you will not see in any English Bible. The word translated died with in, in the Greek in 2 Timothy is synapathnesco. The T-H and N is really hard for me to tie together. Synapathnesco. Uh, it's only used one other place in the Old New Testament. Uh, and that's in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 7. Let's take a look at that. If it's only used one other place, we better look at it. Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse 3. I speak not this to condemn you, for I have said before that ye are in our hearts to die and live with you. Die and live, die with you. 
it literally means to be joined together in death. Kind of like as if through the same circumstances you both died at exactly the same time. They both died in a fiery car crash at exactly the same time. Something along those lines. Died with means died in the exact same manner at the exact same time. Synthesized, you can kind of get that. Synopathesco. It starts with sin together with in combination, synthesized. And the, the concept of living with is the same thing in reverse. Uh, the Greek word is satso. Zo is life, sat. You're tying that synthetic living with, combined with, part of. It's used in all three of these passages. Romans 6, verse 8, uh, 2 Timothy 2, verse 11, and 2 Corinthians 7, verse 3. Now, Almost nobody else in the New Testament is as careful to link our practical living, the Christian life, with the death of Christ as Paul is. Paul always ties our living of our Christian walk with our being dead with Christ. Nobody else does like Paul. Over and over again, Paul ties our shared death with him with the sure promise of living with him. Now, I should point out here also that Paul uses a future tense here to describe living with him. In this case, he's clearly thinking of our future life, which will come in an age to come. We're looking forward to that day, aren't we? When one day he's going to sit on the throne of David and we're going to live with him there. Now, in other passages, there's a sense that Paul uses a present tense and we're living with him right now, but that's not the case here. This time he's looking to the future. And this is important. As Paul is asking Timothy to follow the gospel and follow this doctrine that we've been teaching, even at the possible cost of his own life. You remember how I uh, used the illustration last, or not really an illustration, uh, talked last week about how Timothy did meet his death. He was stoned to death and then his body was dragged through the streets of Ephesus. That's how Timothy met his end, A.D. 97. Uh, but I hope you realize that the benefits of Christ's death are not just in the future. A lot of them are available right here and now. We've talked about that. And that's kind of what brings us to... Uh, Verse 12, if we suffer, we also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Mind if I get off topic for just a second here? And I'm going to make a complaint. I'm going to complain about the verse divisions here today, particularly in verse 12. The first half of verse 12 really belongs with verse 11, since they both contain a positive perspective. It should read like the verse 11 should be like this. This is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. Stop. Now, what should be verse 12 is verse 12 and verse 11. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. They should be two verses, not three. Uh, because the uh, second half of verse 12 and verse 13 are negative statements. It seems obvious to me, but nobody consulted me when they were breaking up the uh, verses and chapters for the Bible. This is one spot where I think they did a really lousy job. Maybe next time somebody will consult me. 
So with all that off my chest, the first half of verse 12, Paul speaks of the advantage of persevering in the faith. If we suffer, if we persevere, if we continue struggling like we've been talking about, we shall also reign with him. Now, we already spoke about this in verse 10 last time. Uh, let me back up and read that again. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Very similar, isn't it? I don't need to teach that all over again. But here, Paul's trying to show the end results of what steadfastness, diligence, faithfulness, courage, and such are going to look like. If you pursue all those things that we talked about last week, you're going to reign with him. Now, think back with me of some of the challenges that we've uh, to endure that we've seen so far. Go back through this book. Verse 1, chapter... Uh, let's look at it. Chapter 2 and verse 1. Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong in the grace. Verse 8. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel. Remember Jesus Christ. If we're doing these things, be strong in the grace. Remember Jesus Christ. If we're doing all these things that Paul's been talking about, all these commands that he's given so far, then we're promised to reign with him. Besides simply, and as blessed as it will be, I'm looking forward to just simply having fellowship with my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in future when he's sitting on the throne of David. But besides just having fellowship with him, apparently we can have leadership roles with him too if we are faithful. Isn't that something to think about? Now, I don't know what all that entails. I don't know whether there's going to be rank, if somebody's going to be the mayor, somebody's going to be this. I don't know what it involves that all that reigning, but it sounds like a worthy goal to me, doesn't it? I wouldn't mind reigning with him, too. In addition to, fellowship with him is a given, but it sounds like reigning with him may not be a given. It sounds like a pretty worthy goal. Heck, I'd be happy with just being town dog catcher. Uh, this is, or Hogreave or Hayward, you know, towns used to have those sort of things. Uh, this is one of the things that encouraged Paul, and he wants to remind Timothy of these things just before he dies. Timothy, I'm looking forward to reigning with Christ. You want to know how you can reign with Christ? Be faithful to these things. Be faithful to these things. Now, the second half isn't quite so rosy. If we deny him, he also will deny us. So the opposite of perseverance and diligence and things like that is betrayal. If you're not going to persevere in the gospel, then the opposite is betrayal. And the consequences that come along with it are opposite as well. And we'll see that when we get down to verse 19. Uh, it says, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. God knows and God keeps his own. God knows his own and he keeps his own. But those people whose actions show that Christ is not really their Lord, 
can't hope to win God's approval, can they? We're going to talk about that more next time. If you're not studying to show yourself approved, you're not going to be approved. We'll talk about that more next time. By the way, this is also true both in this life and in the next as well. Paul's calling Timothy to live a life that is above and beyond. Not just being your, I'm a good enough Christian, doing my Christian walk. He's talking to try to excel, try to be above and beyond. And that ought to be your goal and ought to be my goal as well. See, interesting thing here, this word deny is literally the word disown. It's used other places as well, and it's almost always used in association with Jesus in the New Testament. Almost every time it's used, it's in association with Jesus, disowning Matthew 10, verse 33, Luke 12, 9, uh, John 13, 38. I'm going to look all these up. Let's look them all right up, because this is very important talking about disowning Christ. Matthew chapter 10, verse 33. I know Brother Fisher's just about there. And he'll talk about it more. But whosoever shall deny me, disown me before men, him will I also deny, disown, before my Father which is in heaven. Well, I sure don't want to be disowned by God, do I? Luke chapter 12. Verse 9, he that denieth me before men shall be denied before the angels of God. Little different, little bit different. Sounds like the same, but it's a little bit different. John chapter 13, verse 38. Jesus answered him, talking about Peter, wilt thou lay down thy life for my sake? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, the cock shall not crow till thou hast denied me, disowned me thrice. And how about Acts chapter 3? Acts chapter 3, verse 14. This is Peter's uh, sermon on the day of Pentecost, he says, But ye denied, disowned the Holy One and the just, and desired a murderer to be granted unto you. Strong words. Do you get the picture here? Disowning Christ is going to come with consequences. Now, there's many ways we can disown Him. Well, I've, I've never disowned Christ, have I? We can disown Him by not living our lives the way He's prescribed for us to live them, Right? I'm not going to teach it in depth right now because Brother Fisher's just about there in uh, Matthew chapter 10. That's really the topic in that passage. But in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, we saw the same word being used of denying the faith, which I just told you that it's almost always used about denying Christ himself, right? In uh, 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8 is one of those rare times when it's not. It says, but if any provide not for their own, especially for those of his own house, he hath denied, disowned the faith, and is worse than an infidel. We are going to see it again uh, in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 5, where it says, 
having a form of godliness, but denying, disowning the power thereof from such turn away. Denying the power of godly living. So in our context that we're talking about, we're talking about denial by disowning godly living. You see? Both that one passage in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and this one 2 Timothy chapter 3 that we're about to get to, we're talking about denying, our, denying Christ by denying godly living. By the way, Titus chapter 1 and verse 6 is going to say the same thing. Now, there is one time when it's all right and acceptable to deny. Uh, let's, let's turn over to that. I want to cheer you up a little bit. Titus chapter 2 and verse 12. There is one thing we're supposed to deny. I'm going to jump right in. Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. Once again, it's talking about lifestyle. Denying the wrong kind of lifestyle. That's how we deny Christ. Very rarely does somebody actually come right out and verbally deny Christ when you get right down to it. Very rarely, but all the time we can see people deny Christ by their lifestyle, can't we? And we're guilty of it ourselves if we're truth, truthful. Now, before you think that this might be some kind of unpardonable sin, uh, right? Uh, we got to remember, I mean, it's, uh, let's back up and read it. If we deny him, he will also deny us. See, that sounds pretty conclusive. If I don't live my right kind of lifestyle, God's going to throw me out, right? Well, let's think a minute. Uh, remember, we, we use the illustration of Peter. Peter, before this night's out, you're going to deny me three times. Yet what happened to Peter? Peter was restored in Matthew chapter 26, right? Uh, or in John chapter 20, you can read that passage too. Paul, the Apostle Paul, when he was still Saul, he persecuted the church. That's denial of Christ by lifestyle if ever there was, right? Yet he was forgiven, wasn't he? We saw that beautiful picture. Let's go back to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 13. It's a beautiful picture, and I want to see it. He's talking about himself. And I thank, verse 12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer. That's probably denying Christ by words, too, not just lifestyle. And a persecutor, and injurious, but I obtained mercy, because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. See, Paul knows firsthand that God can forgive those people who turn their backs on him. God can certainly forgive those people who turn their backs on him. But he also knows that forgiveness is nothing to be taken for granted. We see that. I'm going to list off some verses. I'm not going to read them right now. Romans 6, verse 1. Romans 6, verse 15. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 17. Forgiveness is not something to be taken lightly. God's wrath is a very real thing. And Jesus' teachings on the dangers of hell are very sobering. David told his son Solomon, Solomon, in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 28 and verse 9, 
If thou seek him, he will be found of thee. But if thou forsake him, he will cast thee off forever. That was David's warning as he was dying to Solomon, his son. But i got to keep, keep moving. Verse 13. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. Paul ratchets it up just a little bit more. The word translated believe not is a Greek word apisteo. Apisteo. You might remember pistos is faith. Uh, it's used throughout. The, so apisteo is to not have faith. How do we make a negative in, in Greek? We add an A in the front. That's right. So gnostic, agnostic, pisteo, apisteo, not having faith. It's used throughout the uh, New Testament by all kinds of different writers. Mark, Luke, Paul, Peter, they all used it. But here's the thing. Human beings have a tendency not to believe the teachings of God, don't we? God teaches things very clearly, plainly. You're guilty of it and I'm guilty of it. God teaches things. I know they're true. I can read them in here and I don't believe him. Right? We're all guilty of it. As uh, 1 John chapter 5 and verse 19 says, the world is under the control of the evil one. Human beings do not naturally place their faith in God. We don't naturally do that. But God still calls for and deserves our complete faith anyway, doesn't he? Even though I don't give him my complete faith, he still deserves it, and he still asks for it. But he is ever faithful. God's faithfulness is, if you want the theme, you know, sometimes when I'm breaking into a... Uh, new book to study for Sunday school or something like that. We talk about here, well, here's the theme of this book. Second Timothy is encouragement. Uh, if you want the overarching theme of the whole Bible, anybody interested in knowing what the overarching theme of the whole Bible is? God is faithful. God is faithful. That's the theme of the Bible. So what's Paul saying here? He says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. He's telling Timothy that if he does not heed and follow Paul's words here, and Paul's confident that he will, we've already seen that earlier, I know that you're going to follow this, then he's going to face some very real consequences. If you don't follow this, you're going to face some real consequences. But God's character is unchanging. You can read about that in Malachi chapter 3 and verse 6, I am the Lord and I change not, right? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. Uh, God has always called his people throughout the Bible, Old Testament, New Testament, doesn't matter. He's always called his people to faithfulness and holiness every single time, just as he is faithful and he is holy. Be holy as I am holy, he says. Romans chapter 11, verse 22 is very telling. I'm going to turn there quickly and this kind of the thought we're going to wrap up on. Romans 11.22 says, Behold therefore the goodness and severity of God on them which fell, severity, but toward thee, goodness. 
if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou also shalt be cut off. That's pretty telling. Now as I read this, I cannot help. I read that. Behold the goodness and severity of God on them which fell severity, but toward thee goodness, if thou continue in his goodness, otherwise thou shalt be cut off. When you read that, I hope something comes to your mind the same as it does to me. The discussion in John chapter 15, right? I am the vine, you are the branches. You know, you know how it goes. If you don't remain in me, you're going to be what? Cut off. You're going to be cut off. We've got to be, be with him, and we've got to bear much fruit, too, as you continue reading down through there. Uh, just, be, just being part of the vine and not bearing fruit, I'm not going to cut this branch off. It's not bearing fruit. Snip. Those branches are going to be cut off and cast into the fire, it says. So the warning here that we see here is not so unusual in the Bible. It's throughout the Bible. This is a consistent truth. It's found throughout God's Word. God's stance regarding people who refuse to follow Him, even though they know the truth, will always be the same. It has always been the same. It will always be the same. God has not changed His nature. He has not lowered his standards. We may drop the dress code in the Senate. We may change and lower our standards. But God's standards do not lower. God's standards do not change. And that fact ought to encourage Timothy to stand strong in the faith, don't you see? Remember what this is all about. It ought to encourage you and I as well. you mind if I close in a word of prayer? Too late. I'm